0: wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Hi, you guys. I'm going to start with one word, Garages. It's a rare garage that's, you know, perfectly clean, pristine, and houses just the car. Have you ever seen one? Because I have not, right? Garages often turn into catch alls for, you know, everything you don't want to see in the house but can't let go of old bicycle parts, furniture you're done with and think, oh, okay, one day I'm going to donate it. Or it's where you stash your tools, secondhand fridge. But let's look at garages through a totally different prism, one where they become a magical place, fertile ground for sprouting dreams, which later can turn to unbelievable, unimaginable success. I want to tell you about a grungy garage in the Koreatown section of Los Angeles. It's where my guest today planted her seed of an idea for computer programs that the fashion industry could use to more efficiently and creatively design clothes, and where that idea grew into a business she later sold for nine figures. Ah, but wait. She did it all without any money, and as a single mom trying to juggle a janitor job and college at the same time. How did Sabrina Kay do that? I am dying to find out. She's my guest today on Everyone Talks to Liz. Welcome, Sabrina. Hi, Liz. How are you? I am great. I mean, right, Hewlett-Packard, Google, Yankee Candle, Apple, Harley-Davidson, Mattel. I mean, the list goes on of all of these companies that started in garages, just like yours. It's the cheapest and the most efficient
1: place to start a business. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but you didn't own yours, right? I mean- I- No, no. It was a garage space in Koreatown. It was right next to a department store called iMagnon and had a garage door. And here's one thing about this garage that really saved me. I started in March of 1992 and I had no money we took out about 20 different credit cards. Mine, my parents' name, because we had no credit and didn't speak any English at that time, just moved to the United States. We were able to take out a lot of credit cards. So we were in a really desperate situation and um, started, you know, we'll probably get into it, how I got to the computer software and all all that stuff. But I saw the software coming into the fashion industry and I was completely convinced that the future of the fashion industry lie in this computer technology. And I really wanted to make this work. Um, so I saw this garage space in Koreatown right next to iMagnet store. The cockroaches all over. <laughs>
0: You're kidding. It
1: was seriously, I mean, the is as big as mouse, um, And <laughs> it was pretty much the space that was completely abandoned with the pull-down metal garage door. Sure. So I went in and asked him that I would like to rent the space. And he said, the landlord says, sure. You know, it's like, no one wants it. What would you like to do? I told him, I want to start a computer college that teach fashion designers and pattern makers. And he goes, oh, fashion computer college. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it didn't really exist, right? In 1992, fashion industry did not use computers. And he, sure enough, knew that I was going to fail. So he gave me six months lease and I started killing cockroaches. (laughs) And that was that was the beginning of of the first business. Oh, I love this. My parents came, yeah, and helped out, cleaned out the garage, and uh, we we put uh, carpet on the garage so that it looked a little bit more like an office space. And I also put mirrors because there were no windows, and I didn't want students. Students to feel that they are kind of in a garage, a grungy space. So uh, put mirrors and uh, also put murals on, on, on the walls. So it kind of looked a little bit more lively than regular garage space. That's how I started.
0: Well, let's go back to the original start. And that is that you came to this country with your family. You weren't four years old or anything. You were, what, 18. Yeah, I
1: was a grown up. And it was actually more difficult because you're already plugged into the society and you're supposed to be a functional adult at 18. You know, you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to have friends. (laughs) You're supposed to have your life kind of getting started. And you had none of that. I had none of that. Did you even speak English? I did not speak a word of English. There was English class in South Korea at that time, but there was no non-Koreans in living in Korea. So our English teacher actually were Koreans who didn't speak in English. <laughs>
0: so that's helpful.
1: Hilarious, right? <laughs> so when I came to the United States, I thought I spoke English. When I said, thank you, No one understood what I said, because we didn't really we never heard American or even English sound in English. We just learned a few things in textbooks.
0: But even the grammar and everything else—it's all wrong. Everything and was a mess. I know what you know. Everything was a mess. What you yeah. learn in school, even with French—I was a French major—and you know they say, "How are you?" Comment allez-vous? Nobody says it like that. They say Ça va? right? Ça va? right? It's not "comment right. allez-vous." Right away, they're like, eh, "You're from out of town," <laughs> but but
1: not, you didn't not only that—you have... probably had a French teacher. Right, I, did. I did. I
0: did. That is a huge difference. But that must have been almost paralyzing to arrive here. I'm guessing you did not have a plan for college. And no. you did get a job, I would I would figure. You got to help the family, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I tried to get a job at Wendy's, fast food store. Yeah. And they totally rejected me because, obviously, without speaking English, you cannot really serve on a fast food restaurant. Okay, They didn't even let me... Um, fill out an application. So I became a janitor cleaning office buildings at night, um, scrubbing floors and cleaning the bathrooms and our entire family became janitors. And then during the weekend, um, we got a job. Actually, I first got a job at a laundromat doing fluff and fold other people's laundries and folding them and, and so forth. And then I read a Korean newspaper that was a translated from English newspaper. I'm sure it was L.A. Times or something that stated computers are coming into the fashion industry and they were talking about computers can actually draw, change the colors and so forth. And I was fascinated ever since I was a little, I grew up with robots and machines. Because I had two younger brothers, and oh so robot toys, afford-
0: robot toys right robot. Yes. oh yeah,
1: robot toys no, no, no no like small- you know small little robots yep. that kind of walk around and just uh, shoot things at each other, yep Th- those are so i never had a dolls, I was always interested in these machine you know how machines and and humans kind of interact, and even wound up dolls were just really fascinating to me. So I wanted to study computer science in college, and little time that I spent at my undergrad, that was my my study. I studied like COBOL and Fortran,
0: all these useless computer languages. Oh, sure, and like Pascal and all of that right. stuff.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Now we're aging ourselves. Oh, we right?
0: really are, because I was at UC <laughs> Berkeley in 1980-something. and uh, that, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> they would, they, You know, there were four computers in the computer science lab, and everyone would take turns to learn this whole language, Pascal, just to have one tiny little function spit out. But, I mean, we've come a long way, but you were there we in the beginning. We've come a long way.
1: That's exactly right. So when I saw that article, I was just totally convinced that fashion industry will be computerized. No matter how creative the industry is, without the computer functions, it's not going to be as efficient as it should be. So I literally made a cold call to the software company that the article was talking about.
0: Were they based in and Los Angeles?
1: The phone number that was given, the company was actually based on French, France. Okay. Uh, it was a French company. But the phone number that was on the article was the L.A. branch of the office. Okay. And, you know, my entire life is about when the student is ready, teacher appears, and the person who answered the phone was the regional vice president of the company. And much, much later, his name is John Robinson. And much later, I asked him, how did you answer the phone? And he said, the receptionist went to the bathroom. The phone was ringing. I was walking by, so I picked up the phone. Wow. And if he didn't pick up the phone, there's absolutely no way that I would have gotten an appointment with him.
0: But wait, so what did you say? He picks up the phone? He picks up the phone. And I said, I
1: read an article in Korean newspaper, very broken English, but this is like one of the nicest, kindest, and the most patient human you will ever meet. So he just, if it was a receptionist, I'm sure she would have hung up on me. So when he picked up the phone, I told him I could, I could teach your software in Korean and there are a lot of Korean fashion designers and pattern makers in Los Angeles. You can sell a lot of software to Koreans. So he, I'm sure, just didn't think anything of it. And he goes, why don't you come to the office next week? And he gave me the time and date.
0: Oh, were you just so excited?
1: I was very excited. And I told that to my dad. And he said, you know, let's go to Korean Java Market, which is where all the fashion designers and pattern makers are. Let's talk to them and see why they're not using the computer and if they would use it. So I started literally doing my market research uh, because we were we were cleaning their stores. So we knew a lot of the owners. Um, and we we told them that we'll do extra clean, and we will come, come in a little bit early to talk to you. Is that okay? So we went and talked to a lot of different Korean fashion designers and pattern makers and job owners. And what they have told me is that, one, the software is too expensive. But most importantly, because no one knows how to use it, they really don't want to buy the software because they don't want to train anybody. Got it. So what I told them when I went to John Robinson, see John Robinson, I told them is I can teach them so you can package the Korean computer people with your software Mm -hmm. and then you can sell it to korean designers and pattern makers
0: he thought
1: it was a good idea
0: and so So you started teaching in the garage in that garage so
1: he told me that well we have software that is dedicated so he's not the owner right so he can't just give them to me Mm -hmm. he said we have software that is dedicated to Schools and universities. So, if you work for a school or you have a school or you start a training school, then I can donate the software to you. You don't have to buy it. Ooh. The software <laughs> at that time was like $250,000. It was oh. really expensive mm-hmm. software. But, you know, as you know, software just a floppy disk at that time. Right. And it wasn't costing them anything. So, for them, that was like worth donating to university and schools who could give the training. Nobody was interested. So they were having a hard time. And I said, I would do it. Small little problem. I didn't know how to start a college.
0: (laughs) This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back. Let me guess. I already know what kind of person you are. You just dove in and started a college.
1: Yeah, I figured it out. So I um, went to the library and started digging all kinds of ways to start a training school, start a college, how to be accredited and all of that. And I uh, came Came back and got the garage space, started filling out all the applications from the city and the state. And that was really the humble beginning of Art Institute of Hollywood.
0: Did you feel at any point during this very early stage, this is not going to work? I mean, were there moments where people said, no, that, you can't do that? we can't allow you to do this. You know, regulation in any state is very difficult here in America. Talk about the the really big doors that got slammed in your face initially that you had to figure out a way to open. There were
1: so many doors that was just slammed on my face, but I didn't know that. When you don't know, it's not that painful. It's not that much of suffering. We, as humans make up stories. And those stories create suffering. And human species are probably the only species that I know of that creates suffering on top of a pain. I had a lot of pain for doors being slammed on my face, but I didn't know how to suffer because I was not creating any other stories. I was a single mom, didn't have any money, didn't speak English. I was in a very, very desperate situation, I did not have a luxury to suffer. So I just chugged along. There were no other stories that was created in my head other than I am going to be a role model for my daughter and I'm
0: going to provide for her to be comfortable in this country. I feel like I'm hearing you say suffering is a choice and you chose not to suffer.
1: Or I wasn't that wise. I chose – I did not know suffering was available to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: yeah, you just – you didn't have the time or the inclination because you had so much more on your plate and in your lap. Uh, and your daughter, how old was she yes. right at this point? She was two years old. You, you know, you hear the pause here for me because I am so amazed – that you were doing all of this with a two-year-old. Did you get any sleep? I mean, were there points where you no. were just exhausted?
1: I was sleeping four hours a day for about 20 years. Wow. And that just became part of my DNA. I was never tired. My doctor tells me now that I have to sleep a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also the suffering is, is another thing. After I sold my business and I had enough money to retire for the rest of my life, I started suffering a lot more because that luxury was available to me. Ah. And I started making up a lot of stories. So it's interesting that I spend a lot of time, money, and energy go back to where I first started, which was not having stories made up in my head. And not to suffer, and just to do what's in front of me, and being totally present, hundred percent present, and just today I have to fill out an application.
0: Yep, and and, if and the applic- figure it out. I mean, there's a sure. song. There's a song by Carly Simon, one of my dad's favorite singers, and and it's called. Mm. She says, "I haven't got time for the pain. I haven't got room for the pain. Yeah, just gotta forge ahead, which is." What? Yeah, you did. Can you just describe a little bit about what this software did? Because I want our listeners to be able to visualize. So let's just say I have a piece of fabric. What does it do?
1: It's called grading. So you make the pattern, right? Pattern of, Mm -hmm. let's say, torso. And if you want to make all these different sizes from zero to 16, you have to manually calculate each pattern blocks and then make a 16 different blocks to cut the, cut the fabric. Okay. Computer with one button can do all those pattern blocks. Wow. And today, you know, if you think about it, of course, computer can do that. But at that time, that was a reaction. People are like, wow.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, they had to do all of this by hand before.
1: All of them. And the next step is called a marking. So, you put all these fabric, all these patterns on the fabric, depending on how you put it, the usage of a fabric is vastly different because you can make it very efficient or you can make it very inefficient. So throw away part of the fabric is very, very expensive. And you have to cut these fabrics two or three layers at a time. So if you done a bad job and you do that 20 times then it becomes really expensive with the fabric got it right computers can do it up to like 95 percent efficiency no human could even fathom doing that and before it was like people on top of the marker making Pattern table, right. throwing patterns at each other to move <laughs> things, and that was how manually it was done, and and hand cutting and all of that. I mean, and hand now- cutting that was that was the thing that totally sold me. I saw the plotter that cuts the fabric. You can put like a hundred different fabrics, hundred layers of fabric, mm-hmm. compress it down and then water jet cutter mm. that cuts diamonds would cut the fabric perfectly in one cut where it would have taken forever
0: for you know, these pattern cutters to cut those manually with the pattern seizures. It feels like it's a boon to manufacturing and the speed at which you can churn these dresses or whatever it is you choose to do, you can churn them out. What I find also incredible is that this garage that you were doing all of this in – was next to iMagnon. Now, for those of you who don't know, iMagnon was like Saks Fifth Avenue back in the day, yeah. right? I mean, it was yeah. really nice. Sometimes, yeah. I, did you ever walk into your garage, whether it was late at night or early in the morning, and think, yourself, one day the the dresses that this software is making are going to make it into iMagnon?
1: You know, I wish I could say yes, <laughs> because it sounds so you know glamorous and I was ambitious and I had a dream, but no you know i was literally just doing my job i i didn't have those dreams i didn't have those ambitions i was just doing what was given to me at that time i was not suffering i was also not dreaming
2: hmm.
0: all of
1: that came later you now, know i was dreaming a lot more and i was suffering a lot more <laughs> when i made it it but feels like first...
0: it feels like you you were just putting one foot in front of another That's each exactly and every right. day This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back.
2: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals, That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. If I had told you,
0: if I knocked on that pull-up door of the garage and said, on your third day of being in there, one day you're going to sell this for eight figures, what would you have said? Mm -hmm. I never dreamt of it. I didn't even know
1: how it's possible to sell a business. I was just a twenty-something naive girl who just came to the United States, became a single mom, and needed a job.
0: But you made the job. You made. You didn't make a job. You made a life. When did you realize this is this is really big? We get to expand beyond the garage. You know, it happened actually pretty quickly. Okay. So, 1992
1: March is when I started teaching students in that garage space. Months later, LA riot happened. And you remember, i Magnum, was so rooted, yes. and the entire Korea town was burnt down. Yeah. And I was right next I-Magnet. And I just remember that day, watching TV, because my mom was so scared that she didn't let me go outside of the house. Yeah. And I wanted to get to the school to make sure the computers are safe because we had 20 credit card bills and I couldn't afford to lose those computers and I wanted to go and protect it. And she goes like, if you go there and get hurt, it will be a lot more expensive than Mm -hmm. losing those computers. And she just grabbed me and didn't let me go outside of the house. We were watching TV and they were showing iMagnon Mm -hmm. on camera it was all being rooted and being on fire, but the camera didn't go right next to it. Oh, were you scared? I was so scared that all these rooters would go to the, you know, go to the building next to it. And if you remember it, although Imagnon was really very fancy store, yes. stores around the Imagnon was a pretty, you know, in a dire. Space space. You Correct. know, they were not really luxurious. And there were garages and there were some kind of like strip shopping malls around mm-hmm. and they weren't showing any of that. So the next day I went there and the entire block was just burnt down. Oh. And there was nothing left. And I went to my garage space and pulled up the metal door and Everything inside was not touched because it was a metal door, no windows, nothing was hurt.
0: It's almost so I, as if. It was what, like what, a miracle. A
1: miracle. A miracle. miracle. Yeah. It was the only place that was not touched because it was like a garage door and no one wanted to, you know, go and break that metal door. So... Everything was safe. there was like a there was not an inch of damage in the entire place and I started a school again the next day, as if nothing ever happened and Here's another thing that happened with l a riot. Korean television station did not have enough people to help telling the story yeah. and a friend of mine was a producer in a Korean television station called Channel 18, KTAN. And he asked me if I could come and help. <laughs> so I've never done TV before. <laughs> and he goes, well, you, you know, you're good looking. You can, you know, <laughs> like, okay, whatever. I mean, you, you're going to look really great on camera. So why don't you go and do the small story, you know, which is like UCLA students are having a rally to... Tell the American media that um this is not Korean and black issues. Right, these are. Right more of a socio-economical issues. Mm -hmm. So Koreans and Blacks are not enemies, but media is making it sound like it's a Korean and Black issues.
0: Which it really was not at all. It
1: was not. And it it kind of like, actually the story evolved. But at that time, because of the liquor store owner, Korean liquor store owner, shot a Black kid, Mm -hmm. and that just became sensation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just a mess. So I went and did that story and um somehow everyone just it's it just touched hearts of a lot of korean people because we didn't want not want to be a victim we didn't we wanted our story to be told yes after that story was aired Next day, Korean newspaper put me <laughs> on the first page on Korea Times as the pioneer of next generation.":
0: So and don't tell it, me they offered you a job at the TV station.: They did. So the TV station asked me
1: to do a weekly TV show, um, and it was about, like, assimilating into America. So, I cooked turkey on TV. (laughs) I talked about how Americans dress in uh, different things. And I did a lot of fashion stuff as well, just to, you know, it was a couple years of a full 30 minute infomercial of my school. Oh, my goodness. And I paid zero advertising dollars, and the college grew and grew and grew two, three X every single year ever since we started and became the top four fashion colleges in America.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. So I want our listeners to really absorb everything that you have have just described to us because then it comes to the point where you sold the business. You decided to then go back to school. You went to Wharton, correct? University of Pennsylvania. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you take the success that you've had and you are a major philanthropist. What is what is the path you look ahead to having had such a rich and self-generated life so far? What's next? I love America.
1: There is no other country in this world as good as America. I think Americans don't appreciate it how great america mm. is mm. you know as an immigrant coming to this country and having the type of opportunities that was given to me i cannot imagine this could be possible anywhere in the world but when i look at the education system and healthcare system in this country it is kind of like an american crime it only happens in america number one economy in the world mm-hmm. and our education system is twenty six twenty seven yeah. in thirty developed countries, so we're at the bottom of the barrel, so a lot of my philanthropy has always been in the inner city education. The way we create middle America in this country is giving opportunities to middle of America, yes, giving yes. opportunities to inner city youth but
0: can I interrupt because, you here? You sure. know you weren't given. Any opportunity?
1: Of course I have. America has given the opportunity. This is a country that has given opportunities to anyone who is willing to work hard.
0: Okay. Okay. I see that. I see that.
1: But- it, is, it is an incredible opportunity. If I were in Korea yep. and was a single mom and didn't speak Korean, there is absolutely... I can tell you 100% no way I could have started a business. That could not have happened. There is absolutely no way a president of a software company would meet with me and say, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity. There's absolutely no way that I could send an application and that application would be approved in South Korea at that time.
0: Hmm.
1: Of course, the opportunity was given to me. And I would love to give that opportunity to our inner city kids in America because their dreams and their ambition is what we are going to bet America on.
0: Absolutely. And we we need to. And the we whole must. issue of how unequal education is, you know, if you have money, you could put your kids in private school and they're better. They have better equipment. They have better services. And- and it's just not, it's not right. And we're not, we, we do not like socialism here at all. This isn't yeah. that. This is fairness. It's the right yeah. thing to do. Um, we wish you the best of luck in your endeavors doing that.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: I can't wait to see your successes continue. It's been such an honor to speak with you, Sabrina. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Liz. It's been such a great pleasure to share the story and also be part of your orbit. I really appreciate it. Well,
0: I had to go to small markets and get on TV. Meantime, she just shows up on television in, in Los Angeles. This is an amazing side story. I didn't even realize was part of your your narrative, and I just love it. And I know our listeners do, too, Sabrina. Good luck to you. Thank you. You guys. What am I telling you? You have to come in every single week and download this podcast to hear these unbelievable stories. By the way, I love hearing from you. And I started to look at some of the comments you've left. Please press the follow button and leave comments, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify. We're on all of them. iHeartRadio foxnewspodcast.com, et cetera. We want to hear from you, so give me your feedback. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, week, whatever you're doing, and I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business, because I'm on the claim and Countdown. See you then. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then, Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.